Welcome to episode 87 of the Adventures with Grammy podcast. I am Carolyn Berry, your host. My guest today is Russ Wrightson, a homeschooling dad of two boys, ages 12 and 14. He says his boys are excited to learn from anything that crosses their paths, including videos, board games, and a math book or two. To help facilitate a homeschooling atmosphere Russ considers healthy, he organized a local secular homeschool group he describes as a club. He also serves on the board of directors for Virginia Homeschoolers, an inclusive statewide organization that advocates and supports at the state level. Welcome, Russ, to the Adventures with Grammy podcast. Tell me what homeschooling is like from a dad's perspective. It is mostly exactly the same. When the boys were younger, I found it very difficult attending park days and then seeing, I still get a little bit irritated. It's probably unfair every time I see a a mom's group, a mom's club, a mops arrangement. We're going to meet and get our kids together because it's really obviously incredibly unwelcoming. And to some extent, it's a taste of my own medicine as a white male, right? Like I'm getting shoved into this world where I'm the the minority and some people are just uncomfortable, especially if there are, and in some cases, in a lot of cases, I guess, there are people that homeschool for religious reasons. They sort of follow a more conservative pathway. And more than once it has been, hey, our kids like each other. Would you like to come over for a play date? And the response is, you need to meet my husband first. We have to have this big exchange that wouldn't otherwise have been there. But those, I think, are the biggest barriers to homeschooling as a, as a male. But then also, I think that I offer the group, uh, my local homeschooling group, Faha, I, I get to be there. And in the same, in the same turn, I think sometimes a male figure in a group the other, the moms, and, and in some cases, other dads are there. The moms will feel a little more comfortable if we are taking a trip somewhere. So if we're on a, a homeschool field trip to a museum or something, and we're walking through city streets, you know, the kinds of things where you've got that base lizard brain, I need protection type of thing kicking in. Uh, I think that sometimes I can offer that. So it's, it's, the, it's the other side of the coin when we're talking about this conservative, well-established gender roles type of thing that hurt me when the kids were younger. And I think at least provides a little bit of diversity to the group, uh, different resources to the group now. Your wife teaches at the community college. Does she help also with teaching your children or as a group offering classes to the co-op? She does. Actually, she's got a geology class um, that's starting up in a couple of weeks. Uh, She opened two sections to the group, and my group specifically tries to offer everything for free. She's actually bringing the kids into onto campus, teaching them in the classroom. She's done one where my kids weren't quite old enough to do it, which is in some ways hilarious and also just really cool as far as community building is concerned. But yeah, she teaches geology, uh, used to teach more biology. She still teaches some of that. She'll do things for the group, but then also she has a stronger math background than I do. It's easier for her to sit with them while they run through math problems. Tell me about your your sons. How do they feel about 
their dad homeschooling them when most of their friends have moms homeschooling them? I think you get to go back to the beautiful thing about children is that they're not naturally inborn with the biases that we have and a little bit unobservant (laughs) at times. So I'm not certain that they (laughs) have noticed in the same way that their socks are all over the floor in the house and they don't see that there's a mess. Uh, I'm sure when they go to a group outing and I'm the one male in the pavilion, I'm not sure that it's a factor for them at all. Oh, that's good. You must have a close relationship with your sons. Yeah, I would. uh, So growing up personally, I had a little bit of turmoil, childhood family stuff. Uh, My relationship with my dad was up and down. Obviously, when you're homeschooling, I'm I'm with them all the time. And any time that I would get frustrated or have to walk out of the room or whatever the case is, I would think back to some of those times in my childhood where I had the same kind of conflicts. And then I realized I can remember a huge percentage of the number of times that I interacted with my parents. The number of interactions, just sheer number of interactions that I have with my kids is so enormous that we just build the relationship through brute force, it feels like. Uh, So yeah, we've got plenty of ups (laughs) and plenty of downs, and it's been great, you know, if challenging. And I think maybe great and challenging go hand in hand, to be honest. Given that, are your parents living or are they involved with your children? Uh, My father's passed away. My mother is local and she, yeah, she does everything. She's still working. So she has a harder time meeting up with our homeschool schedule where, you know, we're doing something at noon on a Tuesday. (laughs) Surprise, she's not available for that. But yeah, she has a great relationship with them. And I get a lot of support from her, even though she's not the mother that homeschooled, right? My wife's mother homeschooled. So of course there's support for homeschooling from that side. My mother supports me and what we've chosen to do and just has just had a baseline respect for our choices and our reasoning. There's not, thankfully, thankfully there's no conflict in regards to those big life choices. And she's able to get in with them and teach them things from her perspective, which is a huge factor in homeschooling, right? Finding different perspectives. And what about your wife's parents? Her mother is there and <laughs> we, we've we actually taken several cross-country road trips during the summer. My wife is able to teach online. And so we just drive across the country and find a, <laughs> find a coffee shop with Wi-Fi uh, where she'll do some grading <laughs> and stuff. So those have been a month, 45 days. Uh, we just did a two-week trip up to the uh, Upper Peninsula and she comes, my mother-in-law comes with us. We're all, we're five of us tucked into a five-seater SUV and we're tent camping across the country. So it's speaking of tight quarters and sometimes frustrating engagements, <laughs> but it's great. And she's, she's in, she's totally in. One of the things that I advocate is family travel. I think it is so important for the multi-generations to experience different activities together. But I never thought about tent camping with three generations. So that I would imagine is a little, a little trying sometimes. It can be. We're all in one tent as well. Uh, So (laughs) the number of times somebody's rolled over and punched me in the face at two in the morning is probably higher than I can count. (laughs) I'm just grateful that my mother-in-law can still, uh, we, we have little, little, 
camping air mattresses, you know, they're like an inch thick or whatever, but she can still get up and get down. Nobody has to sleep under a cot with her or anything. Uh, so, so yeah, it, it's definitely challenging, but it's also, it's honestly, it's where I thrive and probably part of what draws me towards homeschooling. If everything is planned out ad nauseum and I can predict what my life and days are going to look like, I get really bored with it. And I'm, I don't often have a great attitude. But on a road trip, I don't know where we're sleeping. I don't know where we're eating. I don't know where the next gas station is. And I really thrive under those types of stress. Whereas other people in our car, I won't name any names, uh, get a little get a little wrapped up. <laughs> What's going to happen when we run out of gas in the middle of nowhere? I don't know. It'll be great, is my perspective. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. I admire your mother-in-law for being able to get up and down and sleep on the ground. I I could get down okay, but getting up would be a little bit of a challenge. I would need someone to have hold my hand to do that. <laughs> yeah, the mornings are tough for me, so I can only imagine. I'm I'm convinced she's at home blowing up one of those camping air mattresses and just doing exercises, get up, get down, so that she can continue these cross-country trips. Oh, that's fun. So where are some of the places that you visited? Several years ago, our first trip, uh, we were going to Seattle. My wife's youngest brother was uh, graduating from a PhD program out there. What we like to do with our trips is to have a couple of points in time where we absolutely have to be. But for the most part, it's loose and fast. We're just going around. So we needed to be in Seattle for the graduation. And we went all the way. We went up. Badlands, uh, Devil's Tower, Yellowstone. Uh, we and then Seattle, and then looped back around. There's so many places <laughs> that I, I I need a list in front of me to be able to remember. But yeah, so we did the whole upper loop. Mostly avoided the center. We didn't do as much in Colorado as I would have liked, and that's probably maybe our next trip. Is to, so we've done this upper high upper loop. Didn't quite make it to Glacier. And then our next trip a couple of years later was the lower, so down to New Orleans, straight across San Antonio, uh, El Paso, Vegas, which we stayed at Red Rock Canyon. Campground, not in Vegas, though we walked around. Uh, and L.A., I have a friend in L.A. that I wanted to visit, hadn't seen him in years, and looped back around. Oh, and hit the floor with my wife taking um getting her geology degree uh, or master's. She wanted to hit the four Utah national parks to see all the rocks. And that's really been a driving force. It's where do we go to see all the rocks? <laughs> that to me is just absolutely fascinating and the epitome of education. I have always been a proponent of hands-on learning. When our children were little, we took them places so that they could experience the Liberty Bell. They could walk into Philadelphia and see the courthouse. I just took three grandchildren to George Washington's birthplace. And I believe that taking them to places where history, you can see the rocks, the geology, it's, they, it's how they learn best about geometry or I always say geometry, I meant geography and history and science is when they can touch it and see it. So the fact that you're doing that as a, a family and a multi-generation family, 
I just admire you so much. Well, I don't know that we could do it any other way. We really, we really do enjoy it. And I think from a learning perspective, uh, as homeschoolers, I th- a lot of times people get wrapped up in the, what grade are we in? And what are we supposed to learn this year? But ignore statistics on retention. If you learn something in second grade and forget it in third grade, is it is it really something that was valuable to you? Is it really a, a thing that should have been done that way? And so I think that I agree with you that being hands-on, being in, in the thing, uh, you're going to get more retention, a greater understanding that you can then throw across disciplines. Uh, it, it just seemed, I would much rather quality over quantity, I suppose. There's a place where I like to take the kids looking for shark's teeth and different fossils. And one of the one of the things that we did this week when the kids were up is we went to this beach. And as soon as we walked on the beach, my oldest grandchild, who is now 10, he spotted a shark's tooth immediately. And this was a tiny, tiny shark's tooth. And I just marvel that this child has this eye to be able to see this. And I had, so he's 10, his brother is eight. And then his sister, who is five, is the first time I had taken her. So the the eight-year-old and the five-year-old and I walked the beach up and down. None of us found anything. Every time I looked, there was Gavin finding another shark's tooth. And it was not just the traditional triangular shark's tooth. He found cow shark's teeth that are more rectangular with angled edges. So it's it's just that he has developed this eye for finding these fossils that just amaze me. And this was the, I think, third or fourth time I had taken him. And so I... In talking with him, I said, what do you think you want to be when you grow up? I said, you might want to be a geologist. He says, no, I think I'm going to be a radiologist. I have a good eye. And I thought, this is incredible that this child can can translate a skill that he has into a career, acknowledging a skill that he has and knowing what the value of that skill is. I was really impressed with him for saying that. Yeah, it's hard to develop a muscle that translates. I I was uh, sort of akin to going to the gym, right? You go to the gym and you pump some iron, right? And all of a sudden you're bench pressing 250 pounds, but then you go out into your backyard and you need to lift something up. That thing's heavy because you're not doing exactly what that skill is. And I think a lot of times inside of public institutions, and I, and I would never... Um, degrade them. They are fantastic. But just given the restrictions that happen inside the school system, a lot of times what you're doing is a very specific skill that doesn't translate to other uh, other activities or, in this case, at what you're describing, professions. But homeschooling, you're just engaging with life and the material. And so you have more of a translatable muscles that you're developing. Right. I've always been one to look at a broader picture. And I think when you can combine 
real life experiences and nudge them in the educational part. And then also think about the careers that those skills lead to. I think you just have a much more rounded personality. But let's get back to homeschooling and your Virginia Homeschool Association. What is the correct name? The VA Homeschoolers is the inclusive statewide organization for Virginia. I've recently, I recently got elected to the board of VA Homeschoolers. I wanted to join because the other statewide group is not expressed as inclusive and is sometimes more conservative on social values than many families are comfortable with. And so it's important to me that everyone has something that represents them. So that's why I've joined the VA Homeschoolers as an organization. Uh, I also run my local group, FAHA, which is the Fredericksburg Area Homeschool Association. And that is our social thing. That's my day-to-day. I would say in two hours, I'm going to have 15 kids in my cul-de-sac making boffer swords to smash at each other. Uh, I cannot tell you which SOLs that fills in, by the way, (laughs) but we're going to be doing that. So locally, (laughs) I help to organize my my group, FAHA. And then at the state level, I'm, I'm sort of new to the board, but trying to make sure that everybody has an inclusive group that represents them, both through government affairs and just generally speaking, they can come to this group and and don't have to hide anything about their life choices. Why is it important to have that kind of statewide group? I think at some point I mentioned perspective, right? And so so some groups that come from an insular, um, in this case, the the other statewide organization has religious ties, uh, self-expressed religious ties uh, to Christianity specifically. So where does that leave? I'm grateful that I could, I can float, right? I'm fine. I'm going to be fine. I'm not a fish out of water in these communities, but there are people that are. And if we build a community that only accepts us, then it's going to be really difficult to grow. And another thing that I love about homeschooling is the diversity that it offers. That's counterintuitive to some people. But when you think about school systems, school systems are drawing from neighborhoods in a socioeconomic region uh, of certain types, whereas homeschooling is everyone. And so the more everyone that you can get, uh, the more we can grow. I know that a lot of a lot of families do homeschool because of religious beliefs. And I knew of that organization. I did not know about the other, your organization, until I met you and was reading your your bio. And I think there are a lot of people who would homeschool if they realized that there were a lot of secular organizations as well. Do you find this across the country or is this something particular to Virginia? I can't speak to the bulk of the country. I will say that the Bible Belt, American South has more homeschoolers. Those homeschoolers often homeschool for religious reasons. Um, And then the states, there are many states that don't really take a tally. Um, 
I'm not, I think Florida and Texas are both states that are just uh, very individual rights oriented, uh, whereas Virginia's purple, right? So it's it's right there in the bubble. Uh, and the, those, you just don't get a lot of statistics. And I also think that there's a snowballing effect uh, where you look around and you go, oh, homeschooling's for blah type of people. So certainly if there were more secular or inclusive, and we use it, the VA homeschoolers group uses inclusive instead of secular, to some degree, it's because the other group is specifically Christian. So if you have a person that has another world religion as an integral part of their culture or life, uh, you don't want to, again, not have a home for them. So as far as inclusive, the, the term inclusive instead of secular is used so that we can bring in families and support families of different faiths in addition to no faith at all. What is your membership total? I work specifically with volunteers, so I try and segregate that information from my head. Otherwise, I'll just be overthinking everything. So I don't know specifically our membership total, but we are significantly smaller than the other statewide organization for sure. Uh, but we're looking to grow. There was a couple of years ago, it looked like the whole organization was going to fold, uh, which has actually been was motivating factor for me to volunteer, right? So if you want something to thrive, you've got to be a part of it, right? And so I think there are a lot of families out there, myself included, that enjoyed the benefits of the group existing, but offered little to none. And as you were describing about not knowing that the statewide organization, that VA homeschoolers existed, uh, that's true, I think, of many families. And there are some families that are members of the other group, but think that they're members of the inclusive organization of VA homeschoolers. So it's just about getting the word out. Let's say I, I live in West Virginia or North Carolina or Pennsylvania, and I don't have a group. Can I join your group? It would not serve in the same specific way. So Virginia laws are Virginia laws specifically. And all of the in-person events that we host would be quite the commute for someone living in those other, other states. What are some of the challenges about homeschooling? I think a lot of it's in your head. <laughs> so a lot of us come to things with shoulds, especially me. So if my wife were doing all the homeschooling, I think she'd just be firing it off. She'd be doing everything. But for me, uh, you know, you you get all these conversations. It, and even in my own head, I, I get the, am I socializing them right conversation, even though I know that's the most absurd cliche that surrounds homeschooling, but it's there. So you just wake up every day with a bunch of shoulds. Should my child be doing this? Should my child be doing that? Uh, and then you compare, you compare your individual, your unique growing child to a bunch of statistical norms and other kinds of growth lines, right? And it's that for me is the challenge, the self-doubt, the shoulds. Uh, and it, it feeds into the interactions if you let it. If you carry around a bunch of shoulds and one day you ask your 10-year-old what the capital of the state you live in is, and they're building blocks in a different room and can't answer you. I know I have gotten frustrated. Like, we've covered this, yada, 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 yada. It's not healthy for anyone, firstly. Uh, it's not productive. You just keep trucking along. I think it's the self-doubt is the biggest struggle. Tell me some of the activities that you do. Like, tell us what a typical day looks like in your family. 
COVID changed some of our typical day stuff for an extended period of time. And I think it's going to stick with us forever. So we are now in an online uh, Zoom geography course, which is not a thing that I would have put my kids in ever. Right. But COVID happened. And so that's now a part of our routine. And that's, you know, once a week. And then we do a little bit of a little bit of homework type stuff with us. Uh, also, my group organizes in addition to through a calendar, a Google calendar, we organize through the Discord service. So a lot of times my kids will wake up, hop on Discord, jump in a voice chat and play video games with friends. So that kind of freedom is there. Uh, in an hour and a half, I've got, like I said, a bunch of kids coming over and we're going to build boffers. Uh, as far as more structured things, we, my wife and I have decided that it, even if the material itself is not the thing we need them to learn, uh, being taught by other people, getting other people's sort of, uh, the method for learning, having their expectations sort of looming over you. Uh, can be valuable. So both of my kids are in piano and chorus and music theory. And like I said, the geography. But as far as our regular day, it basically doesn't stop. And every once in a while, eight o'clock at night, we'll crack a book open and get that thing done. But sometimes we crack that same book open at 10 in the morning. So it's, it's loose. And we do, we have it fill in the gaps and prioritize relationships, prioritize personal health, and the education is going to come. Sounds good. I admire families who do homeschooling. I, I taught in the public school system. And even though I think it is a, a wonderful and valuable right that everybody has, it definitely has some limitations. I think it could use an overhaul, overhaul in certain areas. But I also think that homeschooling has a place in our society also. I was looking at your Facebook page and I was really surprised to see some of, some of the people who were homeschooled, like Beyonce and Celine Gomez. I was really surprised to know that. Can you tell us about some other Famous homeschool people? I think that everyone homeschools for such a unique reason that I, mean, I don't, I can't tell you why Beyonce homeschooled. Likely, you know, there's career driven stuff going on. And there are some homeschoolers that benefit a huge amount from just having educational flexibility, right? And the tutors there, and it's more school at home. Uh, yeah, but I can't speak to like nationally or or uh, pop culture stuff about who has or hasn't homeschooled. And I wouldn't really want to take them and their experience in because I don't know why or how or what method it was, which is part, part of why I think homeschooling is a little bit scary for people because you can't read one book and say, that's the way it's going to be. You get to make a lot of choices. And sometimes a lot of choices is really frightening. <laughs> Some people want a book that says step one, step two, step three. Right. Or even just, just narrow it down for me, right? You know, you give me five things, I can tell you which three are terrible, <laughs> but you give me 500 things, I'm lost in the woods. What advice would you give families who are thinking about homeschooling? I think if you've been established inside the school system, the best advice, and this has been universal from every organization I've ever been in, has suggested that when you pull your child 
if you choose to pull your child, take a break. You got to adjust your expectations and your child has been driven in a certain direction, doing a certain thing, and you just need to chill out a little bit. Uh, the second thing I would say is find an in-person group, if at all possible, and just meet with them. Uh, because the conversations that you would have online with people uh, are the things that people think are worthy to type out, right? And sometimes they're best case scenario stuff too, but probably a social media is toxic is a whole different podcast, right? Uh, but get in person with people and you'll see how they are and find find the ones that line up closely um, with the kind of environment you want your child to learn in. My group is secular and eclectic, I think, are the two biggest uh, aspects of it. And eclectic in this case means we just do stuff. And we know that learning is going to come from it, but a lot of people would find would find that they're very anxious in that. And I need instead a structured co-op and I need a person teaching all of these core classes and then three extracurriculars and then two sports. And for those families, you should find a group that lines up with you. I love your philosophy of learning will happen. I mean, I've seen that in my grandkids and things that we've done. What about the accountability to the state to prove that your sons are learning? How do you do that? Virginia specifically, uh, the homeschool law is that you, um, if you're homeschooling under the, the most common homeschool statute, you have to provide uh, proof of progress at the end of the year. The proof of progress is a nationally normed standardized test in which you score within the fourth stay nine, which if you Google search fourth stay nine, you will only get <laughs> the Virginia homeschool statute as a response. It's basically, I think it's the 23rd or 24th percentile uh, in a national, in, you know, on the test. Uh, alternatively, you can uh, get an evaluation from someone with a master's degree in an academic discipline, which is all of them, more or less. Uh, and that is what the state needs. Personally, I think that parents that want to homeschool will engage with their kids. And that is healthy and good, right? Like, that is a good thing. And if it's not healthy and good, sending them to school doesn't fix one of the root problems, which is the parent is not engaging with their kids in a healthy way. So instead, I think I would say fantasy world, you would instead reach out and support that parent, not rip the choices from the parent and send them back into a public school that they didn't feel their child was thriving in because they made a choice for a reason, right? Pub we know that public schools are fantastic, but we also know that there can be environments where they're just not healthy for the kids. There's nothing the school itself can do about it. So instead, let's empower the parent to engage better. I think that is spot on. Homeschooling, it's something, I, something I'm really passionate about. And it kind of snuck up on me, right? I thought I was passionate about other things, but I drive towards becoming passionate about it. This one just showed up. <laughs> so I really love the opportunity to be able to talk about homeschooling. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode of the Adventures with Grammy podcast. 
You will find the links to our guests and the topics we discussed in this episode's show notes. If you would like to be a guest or if you know someone who would be an awesome guest, please connect with me at carolyn at adventureswithgrammy.com.